0: Hey guys, Henry Chisholm here, uh, host of the BSN Buffs podcast. And I have a couple of quick notes for you before we jump into today's show. Uh, The first note is that I'm actually not appearing in today's episode. Uh, Matt and Bobby kind of handled the content side of things, the talking, the uh, conversations about the Buffs, while I did the production and managed the phone calls. Um, So if you're coming here because it's part of the BSN Buffs podcast, Uh, Just heads up, I'm actually not on the show, but if you're coming here because of the McChesney Unchained podcast, you probably don't really even know what I'm talking about. Uh, Second note, Matt McChesney uses some strong language throughout this episode, as always, so just want to give you guys the quick heads up in case you're listening with kids or somebody else who may be sensitive to strong language. Uh, The third and final note is that through the first 15 minutes or so of the podcast, there is some choppiness Uh, because of a bad mic cord. It shouldn't be a problem going forward, and the issue does clear up a couple of minutes into the show, but I just want to give you all a heads up and let you know that it does get better. I promise it does get better. Uh, If you guys are listeners of the BSN Buffs podcast, I will be back tomorrow, Thursday, with more Buffs talk, and I'll have Ryan Konigsberg on the show with me. So I hope you guys tune in. Now it's time to buckle up and... See what Matt McChesney and a bunch of his Buffs friends have to say about Nebraska.
1: Running the option on first down, Hagan has it. He has Rome. He's got one man to beat.
0: Now he pitches to Flanagan,
1: and he may take it all the way. Flanagan's in for the touchdown. Pointing at the sky for Essie, their spiritual
2: leader and honorary captain. They've got two monsters in their offensive line. Big They're gonna put it up on first down and look at touchdown, tight end, the tight end, Daniel Graham, Colorado strikes on a 21-yard touchdown pass solely to the Huskers are in deep trouble. upset. 62 points for Colorado. Gary Barnett beats Nebraska and the goalpost on the left side is down
1: already. It didn't take him but seconds. And no,
3: I'm sure the one on the right is going to come down too. Shotgun takes a snap. He drops. He's got time. He back. Rifles it downfield. LaVisca Chenault makes the grab over the shoulder. Touchdown! Uh-huh. Touchdown, Colorado! A 40-yard strike from Montez to LaVisca Chenault silencing the crowd here at Lincoln with 106 to play. The Buffaloes take a
1: 33-28 lead.
3: And welcome to episode 45 of McChesney Unchained on the BSN Denver Podcast Network. I am your host, as always, Matt McChesney, coming to you from the studio at 6-0 Football Academy. We call this the 6-0 Studios. I'm Matt McChesney. That is Bobby Pesavento. He's going to be co-hosting the show with me today on episode 45, as it is all buffs versus Huskers. It's going to be a kick-ass show. We've got a docket of guests That is just incredible today. We're going to have Bobby here co-hosting the show with me. Coach Barnett's going to be on the show. Dan Graham, Mike Pritchard, Sean Tufts. And we're just going to get into the history of this game, the hatred of this game, and how the Buffs get a huge win in Folsom as well. So without further ado, Bob, brother, welcome. What's up, man? Happy to be here. It's a great day, isn't it? It's a great week. Great day to be a
1: Buffalo. Uh, Every day is a great day to be a Buffalo.
3: I was listening to uh, the fan this morning, and they had clad on, and he dropped the... You know, that N stands for knowledge joke, and I almost <laughs> died. I almost crashed my car laughing my ass off. Uh, but before we call Coach Barnett and get him rolling on this, uh, remember that Bobby and I uh, are, and, and the show today is brought to you by our good friends at 10th and Uni. Go to 10thanduni.com. That's 10thanduni, U-N-I.com. Use the promo code BUFFCLUB, and they'll give you a 15% discount. Uh, and I have I got one of their hats on right now. They're pretty kick-ass. I got I one on right up, now, I too. I just hooked Bobby up with one of them. They are badass, really deep for my big-ass cranium. <laughs> I don't have dreams. I have movies. Uh, so does Sean Tufts. He'll talk about that later. Uh, but, yeah, check it out. Tenth Unity brings us episode 4-5. Okay, so before we get Coach Barnett on, bro, bro, understand this could get a little contentious on the radio, everyone, okay? I get really hyped up about Nebraska. If I start cursing or slobbering or, like, if you hear me just screaming randomly, Bob's here to calm me down. He's been doing it for 20 years. He'll figure out a way to get it done again. All right, so let's get Coach Barnett on the, on the horn here, and we will roll. And it is my honor and pleasure to bring in my head coach, Bobby's head coach, and honestly, uh, the best head coach in the University of Colorado's history, in my humble opinion, uh, Mr. Gary Barnett, joins us on BSN Denver and bsn mcchesney unchained here uh, on episode 45 coach welcome to the show thank you for taking some time here uh to yuck it up with bobby and i for colorado nebraska how are you this morning
2: i'm well i'm getting ready for this game man so uh are you guys getting ready
3: I mean, we're damn excited. I almost tackled Bobby when we walked in here, and we got DG on the show today and Tufts on the show, so it's going to get a little rambunctious if I know that group. Um, we wanted we wanted to have you on this morning. You know, I got Bobby co-hosting with me and just talk about a little bit of the history of this rivalry, but one thing that Bobby and I were both wondering before I, I hand the reins to the quarterback for the next question is when you were in that meeting with Coach Mack and, and you guys were game planning, you know, where to take this program. Why Nebraska? Why not Oklahoma? And 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 then what, what was really the motivating factor behind that?
2: Well, it was uh, when it was it was, was Mac's decision and when he he came to uh, Colorado, he asked people who the rivalry was and nobody could tell him and that and he coming right out of the Michigan and Ohio State rivalry where you know how big that is and That's what he lived his entire life. And so he comes in and says, we don't have a rival. And so he looked around and decided Nebraska was it. And I'm not sure, because I wasn't there when he made that decision, but he decided it was going to be Nebraska. And, you know, if you you didn't know Mac, once he makes his mind up, he's going to do it somehow. So over the process of... Him deciding that was going to be it, we created, in our minds, a big rival.
1: Hey, Coach, it's Bobby. Let's fast forward now to uh, 2001, and you're the head coach, and we're preparing for Nebraska that week, the number one team in the country. I think all the guys on the team had at a very high level of, of quiet confidence, if you will, about our, our chances. But I think, you know, the big question is almost 20 years removed from that week, How'd you feel deep down? Were you as confident as we were? Um, You know, what, what was your week like getting prepped for that game uh, when we played Nebraska?
2: You you know, you're right. We had a quiet confidence and we'd just been getting better and better. And I, I just knew the way we prepared that week, Bobby, that, that we were going to play well. And, you know, I, yesterday um, somebody from Nebraska asked me about that game and, why it happened the way it did and I said when you totally respect your opponent you re- you prepare yourself so well and that's how you get games like that that's how you get blowouts is when you respect your opponent and you just prepare uh, and you have a good plan and we did it you know watts put together a good plan there but I was I was confident that we were gonna play really well. You never know if it's gonna turn out like the, the way it did, but I think our team really respected that Nebraska team and they just flat out wanted to win the game and we prepared tremendously in those ten days.
3: And coach, that's what Bobby and I were talking about earlier about that respect factor. You know, the 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 misconception here in this little bubble of Colorado, Nebraska and this rivalry is that we just hate them. And, yeah, there's a good amount of hatred in the fan base, but in the the players and in that room, there's so much respect for our opponent because we knew how good they were. We knew we had to prepare for them, you know, or we get our face bloodied and and embarrassed. And we also were were coming off, you know, in in 99 when when Aldridge – Missed the kick in overtime. I, I was a recruit, and so was Bob. We were talking about that, sitting in Folsom watching. And then the way that we lost in 2000, it all drove us to that point in 01 to just take the, the top off. And then winning again in 02. And then I want to fast forward to 04. Was the, the 01 victory was, was incredible. Winning in Lincoln is different because it that fan base is nuts, and they're rampant, and they're always sold out how satisfying was it ending a 35 year bull streak in Oh <laughs> four?
2: Well, it's, it was a relief. Matt. Uh, you know, it, it, <laughs> no, it was just, it was just relief. And, uh, you know, and, and winning there in Lincoln, you're right. There's nothing, winning at home is great, but winning there is really tremendous. And, you know, that that is that whole fan base is so respectful. Uh, I don't think we played anywhere else where, where the fan base was so respectful.
3: All right, Coach, we are so excited to hear the broadcast, and I know you're pumped for Saturday. Thank you so much for coming on, on the podcast this morning at uh, BSM McChesney Unchained. And it is my honor and privilege to bring in my ex-teammate at the University of Colorado, my ex-teammate with the Denver Broncos, uh, the mackie award winner from the year 2001 uh the best tight end in cu history mr dan graham joins us here at six zero studios the six zero football academy on bsn at mcchesney unchained bobby and i are going to get this interview rolling here as we continue the colorado versus nebraska episode 45 special all right so matt mcchesney bobby Pesaveno, dan graham we roll all right dg first and foremost thanks brother for coming on the show hope you're
4: well Oh, I'm doing good. Appreciate it, man. Amen, brother. Second,
3: what did it mean for that senior class in 01? I was a sophomore in 01 in and, and you know, enamored by the greatness that I was watching in the senior class and really trying to live up to, you know, what you guys put on the field every day. Our, us young bucks wanted to make sure we weren't letting anybody down. What did it mean for that group to be the one that got over the hump and finally beat Nebraska the way that we did in 01?
4: You know, it meant everything for our senior class. You know, uh, my my class, we all redshirted, so we were there for five years. And the first four years, we lost to Nebraska by a total of 10 points, I think it was, in four games. And, um, you know, it's rough when you lose by a field goal or whatever it is. And um, for our last year to be at home um, against the rival, against Nebraska, you know, and to beat them the way we did, you know that ranks number one in all of my football games. DG, it's Bobby. Hey,
1: man, Matt and I here talking with Dan Graham, my tight end at my time at the University of Colorado. Dan, was, we're talking about that 0-1 Nebraska game. I mean, I can I can give a, a million stories about the my viewpoint as a quarterback, but but talk about um, you know what our offense was able to accomplish from from your shoes. Um, they they sure as hell couldn't find a way to cover you. Um, and, you know, we had a lot of success that day connecting, but, you know, thinking back, you know, just, just, just talk about what, what it looked like f- from your vantage point.
4: Uh, you know, uh, now that I sit back and just look at, look at things uh, about, you know, my football career and everything, you know, I, I realize that every game is won with the O line and D line and what our offensive line was able to do, uh, creating holes for the run game. Um, it was just unbelievable. And when you have a run game like that, it opens it up for the rest of the receivers and the tight end, you know, including myself and, um, you know, just, I was doing everything I could, you know, to, you know, uh, help this team out, you know, one-on-one coverage. Uh, you know, I felt like I could beat anybody out there and not only me, I mean, Derek McCoy and Matt Brunson had a great game that, that day. And it just, you know, that run game opened up the entire offense for us.
1: You know, every time I watched the the highlights of that game, you should have had two scores if you just would have dove in the end zone on that crossing <laughs> that you caught and ran down the sideline. What do
3: you want? Me to hey,
4: say? you know what? I was just trying to let you get a touchdown. You know, I was seeing the for the future. You know, with Chris gonna get all of these uh, touchdowns, I was trying to let you get a little piece of that. Piece hey, of I don't want to
1: rush any in. I'm trying to get passing touchdowns, well, to yeah, DG. But I mean, Coach Barnett's sitting there me <laughs> you can't
3: run. You had a rushing <laughs> touchdown like a 30 yard scamper, exactly. What's he talking
1: about? I was trying to pad your stats. I was
4: trying to make sure you got that Mackey award Hey, hey! You know what? I appreciate it, Bobby. And it was yeah, I did, I did the that's same thing in the Big Twelve
3: problem. title game, bro. <laughs> when I fell over and I didn't scoop and score, and then you scored on the next play. I was just trying to pad your stats. Yeah, that's the minute I knew
5: I was. Yeah, the you know what? This is, this
4: is why <laughs> all about DG. And, and, and all right, so you, you Dan two, and, and I, you two are the the reason why we are were a great team. You guys are sacrificing for the team.
3: Exactly. Total sacrifice over here. All right, so I, I say this all the time, but I've never seen a tight end like Dan at, from a blocking perspective in college, but then also in the NFL when we were with the, the Broncos together, you know, and I remember I was watching this game, DG, from from 05 when you were with the Pats and I was with the, uh, the Patriots and it was Monday Night Football, or I was with the Jets and you were with the Pats, excuse me. It was Monday Night Football and you guys ran – wham all right where the the fullback tight end whams the nose tackle and you hit me in the ear hole harder than anyone's ever hit me in my life and I, I felt like I was gonna die okay and you did that routinely one thing now you see a lot with tight end play is they're either receivers or blockers what has happened to the tight end position where they can't be both uh
4: you, you know what is You know, now that I am on John Mackey committee, I do see most of the tight ends in the college football level. And, you know, it's such a passing league now and everyone wants to be that glorified, you know, um, you know, receiver, you know, catching balls and stuff. But it's, you know, they really don't teach. Tight ends blocking, you know. John Embry, that's all he, that's all he did with me when I was in college was just learn how to block. You know, he told me if I wanted to be great in the NFL, I had to learn how to block. And you know, that's what we did for most of my college career. So I was taught how to block. They don't do that anymore with the tight ends, and um, you know, it's it's really sad to see that this one position really is two separate positions. You know, you either have a receiving tight end or a blocking tight end, and you know, it's not really good for your team because uh for example um jimmy graham was not really a good blocker so when they wanted when the team wanted to run the ball they would bring him out so now this is setting a tip for the defense and so it really doesn't help your offense out if you don't have that tight end that can stay on the field for uh run run or pass plays
1: hey dan you know as we're getting as the buffs are getting ready for nebraska you know it seems like everybody thinks back to, to 2001 now and you know, my thoughts looking back on our, our college days, you and I and Chaz and everybody else, you know, I think the one thing that the fans maybe don't realize that listen to this, you know, we had a hell of a lot of fun together through the grind, through the hard work, yeah, sure. through the practices, you know, there was a lot of smiles on people's faces standing in huddles, um, you know, as we got to play a game that we love to play, um, you know, just just. Talk about a little bit about how much fun our group had and how much, you know, respect and love everyone had for one another, which obviously in my opinion led to a lot of the success we had.
4: You know, team camaraderie, you know, builds a team and it builds a championship. You know, uh, we all went out and party together. You know, I appreciate you Bobby showing up for my birthday party the week before Nebraska. You remember that. And, uh, it's just, it, it was just a good time, you know? And, uh, that that's what builds a strong. That's that's what builds a strong team is when you had a team camaraderie.
3: <laughs> you know, I, I remember after that night, actually, we had. Pra- I'm pretty sure we had practice the next day. Yeah, and uh, Mike Lewis walked by me, and he's like, "Somebody smells like a damn bar out here," and I'm like, "It was him, Mike."
4: <laughs> <laughs> but you know, but but that's what. That's what builds a team, though. When you got that camaraderie, you know, guys hanging out and stuff, everyone getting to know each other, it makes it so much more fun. And when you're at practice and, you know, you have that accountability on your teammates and stuff. All right, Dan, last question before we get you out of here on uh,
3: BSM McChesney Unchained. And thank you for coming on the show, brother. It's been awesome. You know, talking about the CU-Nebraska rivalry and everything that, that fueled it, you know, you talking about the five years you were there and four years before 01, losing to them the way they did. And Bobby and I talking about the 99 game, the 2000 game, and then all the games before that, because for 10 years it was that way. I think now one of Colorado's problems is we don't have a rival to chase. You know, that, that commercial you see now with J.J. Watt talking about find a rival that's going to push you to be your best, I feel like CU's searching for that rival. It can't be Colorado State. They're not, in they're in a, a baby conference. What do you think? They does it need to happen organically, bro? Or does it? Does something need to happen? How, how do you think they're going to drive that moving forward?
4: You know, it, it's tough to see. You know how they're going to make that play out. I know they tried to make Utah our rival because we both were new to the Pac-12. Um, But it it doesn't seem like it's really there, you know. In my opinion, now that we're letting CSU go uh, in the future, you know, let's put Nebraska there every year, you know, back and forth. I'm pretty sure that they were like that. And, you know, let's just make that our rival and let's do that the first game of the season every year. I can get with that.
1: Oh yeah.
4: I think
3: Coach Barnett likes that too. All right, DG, I will see you on Saturday, brother. The great Dan Graham joining us here on McChesney Unchained episode four five. Thank you, Dan. Take it easy, bro. We'll see you Saturday. Go buffs.
4: All right, take care. Go buffs.
3: Trade-O's. So we talked about 1999. Both of us were in the stadium. He's, he's a, a junior college quarterback recruit, and I was coming out of high school out of Niwot. Uh I was already committed to CU. I know Tuss was there on crutches. He was committed to CU. Were you committed? At the, you weren't committed at that Not time, yet. right? No, you were uh, still deciding between Auburn and CU, yeah, right? Yep. Yeah. So in 99, you know, both of us, just from different perspectives, the big meathead D. Lyman and, and the, the, you know – calm and and you know leadership bound quarterback that we got what was your perspective of the team in 99 and i i'm almost i hate to say this but i'm almost glad that we struggled in 99 and 2000 the way we did just to pop off and finish the way the way i did and then in 01 the way you
6: did
1: yeah i mean sucks for those guys that they had to deal sucks with it, for but, you, bro. I mean, l- lucky for us Sucks for you brady but, um you know i know they had a talented group of guys when i came on our, that trip we were on together but what yeah, i yarns Yeah.
3: (laughs) I remember in 01 that Tufts had that huge play on the opening play of the game. Yeah, right. Because Nebraska, like, scored on us on the first play or the second play of the game for, like, six years straight. Yeah, exactly,
1: yeah. So, I mean, you know, the things that really stood out to me was the way they fought back, right, and and watching those guys and and the heart they had to get back into that football game, pushing that thing into overtime and and not being able to come out on top. But, you know, I was kind of sold, you know, like you said, it was between Auburn and and Colorado for me, and – when I was able to get into that locker room after that game, and see the way those guys were reacting, the see the way Coach Barnett handled those those young men um, after a defeat like that, you know, just the, the how close they were, how heartbroken they were, that that was really one of the driving factors of me wanting to put on black and gold and be a Buffalo, and and you know, hopefully one day be the team that that ended that streak against Nebraska um so you know it was more about right the product on the field was great watching ralphie run was great flat iron you know all that i mean that stuff that's easy stuff right but when uh you, you know to see how that game went down to see him fight back to see him get heartbroken but just to see what happened in that locker room afterwards that that made me want to become a buff instantly
3: well it's true character you know and one thing that a lot of folks don't understand is like we said earlier, we don't go after Nebraska because we really hate them. We respect them. We, we want to be the team that dethrones. And I feel good about saying that after 04, that program's never been the same. And in 01, when, when we stuck a, a, a stake in their heart, the national shine went off. And then in 04, when we ended their bowl streak, the regional shine went off, and they were just like Wyoming. They might as well have been the Cowboy. And great win, <laughs> Wyoming. But that's what they were at that point. And looking at the struggles in the '90s, after they had cleared that hump, and we got Mike Pritchard on the show here, talk about the past a little bit. When they cleared that hump, and then Nebraska went on like a 10-year run where they didn't lose to us. Now Scott Frost, and we'll go full circle here. Now Scott Frost is out there talking all this junk, and last year he was real bitter about losing and didn't want to give credit what credit was due. He never lost to CU. Well, now he takes an L to the Buffs. I want to see how he responds to that. You know what I'm saying? Because that's one thing I can say about Nebraska, and I'll say this with confidence. They didn't lose a lot, so they didn't know how to deal with getting smacked around. Right. And when we beat the hell out of them like that, they didn't respond very well, and they didn't respond very well for years, not just a game or a quarter. I think it's still still happening. I don't think that Frost responded correctly to the loss last year, and I damn sure don't think him coming out and saying we're an ex-rival and then talking all the shit he's talked to now just to let his team take it up. Like JoJo Doman, who's from Pine Creek, great player, good kid. Oh, I'm so glad I went to Nebraska over to CU. I'd never go there. Thank God. It You're really driving this narrative that says we're not rivals, but it sure sounds like we are and Rick George comes out and says we got to kill him with kindness and be classy, I'm right on the fence. I don't really want to talk very much, but when those pads come on, I, I'm telling you, it is fucking wartime on Nebraska.
1: Lock the goddamn gates. Uh, brother, I mean, let, let the shit talking happen between the white lines when the lights come on, right? Let them run their mouth all they want. Let Scott Frost. Talk it up, dog. I mean, he, I mean, he's he's allowing this to happen, to let these young kids just run their mouth. I would think he would be more mature about it you, I would think so too. I mean, a guy that had the success he had as a player, national
3: championship quarterback.
1: Yeah, I, I just I don't really get it. But you I, can tell that they really deep down it irks him, bro. Yeah. Oh no.
3: Well, it's, it, it's like where that thorn, that pebble in his shoe, or that thorn in his ass. I just if that's what if, I want to be. I want right. to be the thorn in Nebraska's ass. If
1: it's not a rival, Your big
3: regneck ass. I want a thorn
1: right in it. <laughs> if it's not a rival, why are they wasting so much time talking about that it's not a rival? Why? Right? I mean, just. Just shut up about it then and handle your business. Well, let's put it like this: on
3: Saturday after we whip that ass, I'm very interested to see how they how they
1: deal with it. They'll find an excuse. Uh,
3: even if even if CU is doesn't come out on top, winning in Lincoln last year was incredible. Yeah. So it's kind of like a wash a little bit if you look at it.
1: You were a little excited.
3: Oh, so pumped, bro! That was so incredible <laughs> last year. I'm sorry if I hurt your neck or anything. I couldn't help it. If you think last that was big time, wait until this year. I'm going to be out of control, and we're, Sean and I are on the sidelines again. But I, I feel that we've got them right where we want them. You know what I'm saying? It's they're expected to win last year; they didn't. You can tell that they're looking towards us because they really struggled against South Alabama. Yeah, like they look like oh, yeah. shit. They did. And not only that, but this is a huge. This is a huge game for both schools because neither school is what they were, but they're going back. Both are on an upward trajectory, so. The fastest way to make this rival relevant again in the eyes of Nebraska people is to beat the shit out of them again. Last year when we were driving home from Lincoln, okay, right, Sean and I were driving back and we left right after the game and the entire the airwaves were filled with we hate them, we can't stand them, we hate Nebraska, we hate Colorado people and I'm I'm just relishing in it. Like thank God you hate us. The the rivalry is really real. It's real. And the longer that Scott Frost in Nebraska sits here and acts like it's not, that's cool. Keep thinking that we're not serious because there's nothing, and I'll say this wholeheartedly with as much respect to Nebraska as possible, there's nothing that drives a Colorado Buffalo more than beating your fucking ass.
1: You're, you're Nothing. At, you know, I mean, that's what it's all about. Beat the shit out of those people. Yeah,
3: conference wins, because, great.
1: Because Nebraska is the greatest place in the world, yet they all end up living in Colorado. Everybody wants to come here. I mean, you know, I think the the thing that stood out to me, Ches, the most this week is the difference between head coaches. Scott Frost and his guys are running their mouth. Mel Tucker is just like, we'll let it happen on the field. And the guy that I think took a huge leap in – in maturing is steven montez Amen. this I was week just really say that. right Who <laughs> said we don't need to talk about it we'll we'll handle it on the field nebraska's doing enough talking for both teams and, and that's you know what that is though that's 2001 that's quiet confidence where you don't have to run your mouth you know that you're a good team you know that you're prepared and they're coming into your house now look i'm concerned
3: i'm concerned about the defense i'm concerned about our edges I'm not saying we're going to shut them out. No, it's going to be a great game. <laughs> yeah. They're going to score. We're going to. They're not going to stop a 52 point train. Uh-uh. So the CU looked like they were rusty on offense, and they didn't have any sacks and, and like three penalties and no turnovers. So if that's what rust looks like, I'm all about it. You can rust up my
1: car quick. But remember this real quick. Don't. No. Don't mean to interrupt you. No. CSU. I'm with it. Colorado State defense for years and years, soft. Ben, don't break. Yep. They play zone behind everything. They don't put any pressure on you. So you don't have the big plays to LaVisca or KD. They're not there. They, they take that away from you. So our game plan last week was perfect for what Colorado State does. Now, when we get against a team that wants to load up the box, like Nebraska, put a little pressure on somebody, good luck. Cover in LaVisca and, and KD and all those Tony, guys. Did
3: you see Tony Brown? Oh, that, dude, the, he's that three feet in.
1: Yeah. Shit. And Daniel Arias is a big time. I mean, Good luck trying to cover those guys one-on-one. We'll put it like this. I feel like Nebraska is playing this game
3: as if it's a WWE match. Like, there's a lot of Twitter nonsense. There's a lot of talk. There's a lot of disrespect. is looking at this like, we got a room full of people that walked into Lincoln and beat you last year. Okay? So, they're, Nebraska's ranked. How? I don't know. Yeah, But they know. are. So if I'm CU, all the motivation I need is is right in front of me. So Nebraska's ranked. We beat them last year. We're both one know They were 4-8. and We were 5-7. and We have just as many seniors coming back as they do. We're looked at as a team that's going to finish last in our division. They're looked at as a team that's going to finish first. This is an opportunity to go out and just shit-stomp Nebraska, but also explain to the media and the country that we're not last year's team. We're not a 5-0 and team that's going to go 0-7 afterwards. This is a veteran squad that's been through hell and back who understands how to win and aren't going to beat themselves. Now, all that said, when it comes down to this, Bob, you know this. It's which team is going to stand up on the defensive or offensive front and win the fucking game. Last year, I remember distinctly, I remember looking at you in the middle of the game or middle of the third quarter, you and I and Sean were all standing there and I remember looking at the scoreboard and going, Boys, they have three hundred yards rushing and we have forty. I don't understand how we're winning this game right now. That can't happen against
1: Saturday. No, it absolutely cannot. This game's gonna be one up front. It has to be. We're gonna have to you know, everybody's gonna have to help, right? If we can find a way to run the football again that's going to take some pressure off the offensive line when we have to throw it. I liked
3: what I saw last. I, week, I loved
1: man. it. Yeah. If if Stephen can continue to make quick decisions, get the ball out of his hand, make good decisions, that's going to help the offensive line. What's with line. the back foot throws?
3: And I'm not trying to harp on him, but he he's really really good when he's throwing right to somebody he likes. He's really 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 average or below average. Not trying to talk shit. It's what it is. When he's trying when he's throwing left or he has any pressure on his face, why why does he do that?
1: I think it's two things, right? You can watch the kid play. There's no doubt he has all the physical tools in the world. I mean, he's got a cannon. He can throw it. He can make any throw out there, right? So I think when you have ability like that, you can, you can lose some of your, your technical footwork because you have the arm strength that's still fitted in. And then combine that with some of the pressure he's felt over the last couple of years and guys in his face all the time, you, you just start falling backwards and trying to st- fall away from pressure. That's when he makes mistakes.
3: Do you think he's seeing ghosts a little bit this week with Nebraska last year?
1: Because um, think...
3: if anything, they did get after his ass pretty good. Yeah,
1: they did, they did. I think what find he... ninety four block ninety four. Right. Yeah. <laughs> I think what he needs to do better, and the one thing that he does that negatively affects the the protection is sometimes he gets out of it a little too early, and he bails out when there's still a pocket. And that's just because he's used to getting it in his face all day long. So as he matures and he he gets more confident, right? And I think I I saw this a little bit last weekend. He stood in that pocket, and he stepped up when there was a pocket instead of trying to escape and get on the edge, right? Because you know, once that quarterback escapes – you lose all leverage as an offensive lineman, right? But when there's that little wall built up, it's okay to step up and and get everything moving forward. You might get hit in the mouth. Well, I think that the misconception this weekend is everyone's talking
3: about Hambright and Sherman, the tackles. Yeah. Do I think Hambright and Sherman need to ball in order for us to be successful? Absolutely, I do. But I also think that the interior three, Tim and the two guards, I can't remember the two guards' names, Purcell and 65's Purcell... And Kush oh, yeah. yeah. actually balled out last week. He was one of the highest-rated yeah, players in the country at his position. Yeah. If they can stay firm and allow Steven to step up, and then I really want to see some pocket cleaning. So whichever one of the offensive guards has the nose over him, bro – you can step out and guard the B-gap for your tackle, but I need to see you swing back and annihilate the hip of 94. I want to see some physicality to the interior defensive tackles and the middle linebacker. I want them to walk back to the huddle and go, holy shit, I better buckle up today. Yeah, And it's going to be a huge part of this. If they can control the interior of the defensive line from a pass rush perspective, and they're not – Stephen doesn't see ghosts – I think it's going to allow them not only to throw the ball down the field, but it's going to allow them to run
1: draw and screen for fucking days, days, you're, brother. You're absolutely right, man. I think another thing to think about is we were so vanilla last Friday night against Colorado State just because of you how think they, so I do just because of how they play defense, just the shell cover four, yeah. cover two. So there's probably bad. a lot of cool shit in there that. Nobody's seen.
3: I mean, you know Nebraska's going to challenge. They're going oh, yeah. to cover one, drop the safety into the box. Huh. Jojo Doman's a box safety. He's not a fucking cover guy. No. He's going to play linebacker at the next level most likely. So if they go cover one single high and they try and man Leviscus and Tony Brown, I'm, I'm one of those guys that's saying as an ex-defensive and offensive player, please fucking blitz us. We'll figure out how to protect this. I think Coach Cap is a major upgrade at the O-line coach position. He's done a great job with them up there. You can tell that they're really thinking. Yeah. They're up there communicating, and I think Montez actually understands protection now, which is awesome to see. I feel like Shiv is just up there just you know, licking his chops, praying to God that they have the audacity to try and single up Chanel and Tony Brown and Jade and KD and everybody else. And we're forgetting about Harris, the tight end, who really played well last he did. week. He Absolutely. Was, he's going to be a huge problem in the seam. So much of this is on the protection. Can we get creative in scheme? Can we protect with five or six? And then it, are we going to be able to run the ball enough to keep them guessing?
1: It'll be really interesting to see if Nebraska decides to put seven or eight guys in the box. Well, and, what would you do? You're our... their
3: defensive coordinator. How do you how do
1: you stop us? I, I would I would not load the box. I would put five or six in the box and say, please run it on us. Prove to us that you can run the football instead of using all your weapons on the perimeter to beat us down the field. But, I mean, they're cocky. They, you know, black shirts, whatever the hell they want to call themselves. They can suck it when it comes to black shirts. But, you know, I, I, God, I hope that they try to load the box. And I hope they try to put pressure on us because I think Steven's smart enough now and immature enough that he's going to see pressure and he knows he has weapons and he can get it out of his hand quickly and get it in their hands. And then, you know, and when, when, they, when there's no second level to the defense and KD or LaVisca makes that first guy miss, it's to the house. There's nobody
3: left. And, look, I, I will say this, too, going back full circle. Last year's group won in Lincoln. That's a hard place to fucking win. Shit, Yeah, it is. All right, I was part of two teams that won there in 02 and 04. And then last year, obviously, being in that environment was incredible. In 01, okay, in 98 or in 89, when CU beat them for the first time in a long time. I think it was 89, 88, whatever. Yeah. That, those were just great victories for Buff Nation, okay? We wanted to win the game. We did win the game. It set us up for good bowl games and national titles. You know, one's a different story. We'll talk about that another day. But in O2, when we went back to Lincoln, we knew we could beat their ass, and they they were talking shit the same way. They, you know, it was the same kind of false bravado that they throw up when their backs against the wall. Right. That's what Nebraska does. Yep. Now, being able to go out and execute when you know you can beat them is something different than going out and executing and hoping to beat your rival. So when, now that CU knows they can go out and just attack these people, they know the personnel, they know the guys that are returning, and they understand just how bitter they are. Remember, the loudest guy in the room is the most insecure, and they are sure barking loud. So if I'm CU, I'm very confident. I'm going to sit there and be quiet. And I'm telling you, when that when they lock the gates, bro, this they're going to unleash hell on this football team. I truly believe
1: it. I think it's just the perfect – scenario of it really doesn't make a damn difference what nebraska does on saturday it's going to be all about cu and if if we can be tougher improve on defense be tougher on defense minimize mistakes on defense and then on the offensive side of the ball keep protecting the football minimize penalties protect steven they'll come out on top it's all it's all it's going to be all about cu it doesn't make it's not going to make a damn difference what Nebraska does. Amen to that, brother. All right. So, speaking of defense,
3: we're going to have uh, my ex teammate, Bobby's ex teammates, former captain and former draft pick by the Carolina Panthers, number 54 on the field, number one in your hearts, the Five Head. Sean Tuff is going to be joining us here on on the show next on McChesney Unchained on the BSN Denver Podcast Network. Remember to check it out on iTunes and then on bsndenver.com. Uh, Sean's going to join us next. Don't go anywhere. And now joining us here on episode 45 on McChesney Unchained on the BSN Denver Podcast Network as we talk about your Golden Colorado Buffaloes and the bug eaters from the communist country known as Nebraska. Uh, Big game this Saturday, Buffs versus Huskers in Folsom. And it's my honor and pleasure to bring on my ex-teammate and my brother from another mother, uh, the five-head Mr. Sean Tufts, uh, one of the best linebackers in Colorado history and a guy who really set the tone in one uh, and oh two 2 for really beating the hell out of these people in Folsom and then again in Lincoln. Uh, Sean, welcome to the show, brother. Bobby and I are going to talk some some shit here with you about CU Nebraska, and uh, we really appreciate you coming on the show.
5: Absolutely, man. Go Buffs.
3: Amen to that. All right, so Sean, you know, obviously you're a starter on the O one one team. You were there in 2000 when we lost in Lincoln the way we did and Bobby and I were talking about the 99 game when Aldridge missed that field goal and we were all in the stands together I remember you being on crutches and and talking about the future and how we all wanted to play there and change the way that things went uh, just give give us your feedback on the 01 game and looking at it now 20 years later how special it was and then you know where where it took CU in your opinion
5: Everyone had that kid in middle school that rocked to school in a Tommy Fraser jersey, and I hated that kid because he always came in and was super like bandwagoning. And I always remember that kid. And I remember when we showed up in 2000 and lost. I was like, man, was he right? Is Nebraska better? And I remember coming to you, Matt, in '01 when it was 21 nothing and saying, holy we're doing it, it's 21 nothing, and you said, don't jinx it, sit down, shut up. <laughs> <laughs> it's true. Okay, good
1: talk.
6: <laughs> yeah,
5: and, man, uh, so Sean, I,
1: and I remember... John, th- we were talking earlier about... Uh, yep. C-T-E! <laughs> <laughs> we were talking earlier about the 99 game when, you know, we, all three of us were there as, as me coming out of junior college and you guys out of high school on our trip. And, you know, it, it, I I think both of you were already committed. I was still on the fence, but watching how that team fought back and then how heartbreaking that loss was and be, being around those guys in the locker room, I mean, for me, that made me want to be a buff and come back and, and try to redeem what happened and help this team beat Nebraska. You know, what did that mean to you? I mean, you were a senior in high school, but, but watching a game like that and how it affected those guys, you know, how much how much fire did that put in your – put inside you to, to come back and, and be the team that beat Nebraska finally?
5: Oh, man, when we walk around our our football events, you know, we're the Nebraska killers. You know, everyone looks at the 89 guys and the – you know, every team had their Nebraska team and we're it. And we were the ones that put the final dagger in their neck. And that started, yeah, when I was sitting in the stands watching Aldrich miss that field goal. And all of that was a build and a culmination to everything – it is
3: my cu football experience man all right so we'll get you off after we we uh we uh ask you this last question here all right it's the first play of the game in 01 okay you're at the mike linebacker position you're you and joey are out there balling joey's filling in for jay sean i always sit around and think like if jay sean would have been healthy how good that 01 defense would have been joey was a baller and did a great job but jay sean was a different animal when he was healthy just that opening play, remember for years, how many years did they score on the first or second play of the game? And I remember old crew walking in and going, we got to get them off the field the first series. Just talk about how hyped you were when you figured out that they were about to run option at you and you had the quarterback.
5: Yeah, there was, there was 10 years where they scored on the first and the last play. Yeah, not good. And that, was, that always crushed us. Uh we were always right there on the doorstep. I mean, think of the best cU teams in history, the 94 team the 96 team. Those teams were probably better than the '01 team or the 90 team, but they couldn't the get over Nebraska. Team might they have led been the best first, team ever but they ran into the best team in college football history, which was that 94 Nebraska team. And, they got lucky too. and they could never get over that hump.
3: so full circle. In '01, when you found out, when you were sitting there at the Mike linebacker position, and it's the first play of the game, and you get a TFL, how jazz were you when you figured out they were running option at you, and you knew?
5: Answer the question, fifty-four. Oh, well, my first, my first ever big play against Nebraska was grabbing Eric Crouch's face mask and spinning around, hoping, hoping there was no flag. Don't tell everybody you were game. cheating,
3: Dick. They didn't call it. That was a great <laughs> TFL. Never mind. Shit. All right, well, never mind. Sean, we love you. We'll see you on Saturday. We can't wait for the game. Uh, nobody brought it like 54. I remember we played Nebraska in 03, unfortunately, and we lost the game. But <laughs> Gabe Ninus and I were making a tackle in the in the uh, A-gap on, on the fullback, and Sean came in and hit both of us. He speared both of us, and the fullback got the first down, and Gabe and I are both laying on the ground about to die. And Sean gets up, and he's like, whoa, what a hit! And we're like, dude, you hit us, and he got the first. So that that's neither here nor there. Sean, David, we love you. Uh, thanks for coming on the show, brother, and go Buffs. And we roll on episode 45 of McChesney Unchained on the BSN Denver Podcast Network. Remember that it is brought to you by our good friends at 10th and Uni. My man Morgan use the promo code Buff Club, and you will get 15% off some nice hats and T-shirts at 10thanduni.com. Uh, Bobby and I have been rolling here all day. We've had Coach Barnett on, Dan Graham, Sean Tufts was kinda doing an interview. I'm not really sure if he was if he was chewing on the phone or not, but but it was it was a good interview, kinda maybe sorta. We we don't know. Um, and, and now it is my honor to bring on a guy who made me want to play at CU, and I'm not going to lie. You know the the 1990 team with Big Al and Cannavis and Pritch and E B and Hagen and all those cats. They they were the reason I fell in love with CU as I was a kid up there in, in the stands watching them play. It's the reason I wanted to play there, and it's an honor to have Mike Pritchard here at 6 Zero Studios at 6 Year Football Academy, you know, rolling here on episode 45 of McChesney Unchained, being a guest on the show. Mike, thanks for coming in, bro. This is awesome.
6: Are you kidding me? I wouldn't miss this for anything else in the world. It's Nebraska Week. and uh, Nebraska Week, bro. It's uh, so cool to say that. It's I love it. has been so long to be able to say something like that, for right? For real. So uh, it means something. It means something to alumni. It means something to current students uh so I think everybody's fired up
3: now we, we had Dan Graham on earlier and I, I'll ask you this question before uh we get into the history of this game but Dan was talking about uh the the relationship between Nebraska and Colorado and the lack of our rival now okay what do you think CU needs to do to get a rival like Nebraska again do you think it's important for us and then take that and run it into, it's a 1989, and you guys are trying to establish yourself as Nebraska's rival.
6: Right, right. So, yeah, it's hugely important. I mean, I think when you think about neighboring states, when you think about what could be on the line, and you think about the fan bases in general, I mean, it's a huge game. And, and that's what you want your rivalry games to be. You want them to be epic, right? And uh, I don't know if CU has established uh, a rival within the Pac-12 yet. So they haven't had that, they, and the fans haven't had that feeling, whereas you have history here with Nebraska, and you have some grudge match elements to, to the matchup with Nebraska. You have some big game uh, and some, some consequences and risks there to play Nebraska. So uh, to have it back on the schedule, in particular to have it back on the schedule in the first game, well, the second game now, is that on, on campus again. I mean, I think that's everything, and I think it speaks volumes to where Rick George and, and where the football program wants to go.
1: Hey Mike, you know when we were talking to Dan Graham, I agree with him wholeheartedly. He said, "The hell with CSU. Let's 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 bring <laughs> right, Nebraska in right. every year and and get that rivalry back as a non-conference game to kick off the season." Uh, how would you feel about that?
6: Um, I would love that. You know, I, I hate the only the only thing I hate about the fact that Nebraska is in the Big Ten and we're in the Pac twelve is the fact that we don't see them every year. Back in you know when I was here, it was a Big Eight and and, and everything was predicated and everything about our season was based on Nebraska. Uh and so uh that feeling's gone. So like like I said, I mean it it'd be great to have it first game of the year. I mean you get the whole build up uh off a of spring ball through through the summer uh and through certainly through preseason and, and training camp and all that and then you play that big game against Nebraska. I mean I, I think that would be awesome.
3: Now look. I don't feel like they needed us to be their rival when we were earning their respect to be they can't say that we're not rivals anymore we've shit stomped them a couple of times now i feel like nebraska a lot of the shine is worn off i feel like they need a new rival they i was nice but i was the same way utah to us yeah i want to beat the utes but i have no ill will iowa and nebraska they can say they don't like each other all they want but they didn't play for 70 years they don't really have that much tension there's true tension just look at social media People are freaking out this week about this game. Do you think Nebraska needs us as a rival just as much as we need them as a rival now? Because I think both both schools understand something. Both schools are single Power 5 schools in their state. We're one of the rare, very rare. Look at the other states in the country. Colorado, Nebraska, Kansas has two. Iowa has two. We're both only have one. So, if there's a lack of money and resource because there's only one Power 5 school in, each, in in the states, I would figure now Nebraska needs Colorado as a rival and that hatred at the beginning of the year to drive them because they're trying to find rivals in the Big Ten, and they, they're struggling big time as well. How do you feel? Right.
6: About that? No, I think you're spot on with that because, you know, in the Big Ten, Nebraska, they're irrelevant, really. I mean, you got Ohio State and Michigan. You got Michigan, Michigan State. You got – uh, teams in the Big Ten that, that have so many trophies that they play each other because it's just longstanding tradition. And in Nebraska, they're doing the new kids on the block, just like CU is new to the Pac 12. I mean, I don't, I don't know if it's possible to establish a, a rivalry game within the Pac 12 like CU Nebraska had back in the Big Eight. And one of the things about Nebraska, because we got to go back in history here, you know, their rival was Oklahoma, and everybody knew that. You know, the Big Eight was the SEC back then. And so if you went to the Orange Bowl and you were the Big Eight champion, you were playing for a national title. Uh, So the reason why Coach Mack targeted Nebraska, in my opinion, was like, look, if we're competing and beating Nebraska, that means we're going to the Orange Bowl. And that means, in turn, we have a chance to play for a national title. So we needed to hate those guys in the next state. We needed to hate the guys that put on a red uniform, and we did. And uh, they they were in our way, and and that's how we – Felt about that I, when I first got here in '87, uh, the '86 team had beaten Nebraska 20 to 10. It, it was a humongous game right there in Boulder, uh, and that game that that team was sky high. When I came on my recruiting trip, my recruiting trip, uh, they were getting ready and gearing up for the Blue Bonnet Bowl, which at that time, I mean, see, you hadn't been to a bowl game in a number of well, years, and. The Blue Bonnet Bowl. And, and so, um, I mean, these these guys were fired up to go to the Blue Bonnet Bowl because they beat Nebraska, and they were just fired up about the future. And I wanted to be a part of that. Uh, and so, man, I, I couldn't wait to get here to see you, and I couldn't wait. Nebraska recruited me, uh, but I couldn't wait to the, to the, you know have that chance and that opportunity to line up against Nebraska and Oklahoma and play for a national title after that
1: let's stay let's stay back in time for a minute in the late 80s and 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 share a little bit if you can I mean you don't have to get into too many details but I mean what was it like with coach Mack in that room and the messages he was sending to you guys about the Nebraska rivalry and what it meant to him and what it needed to turn into
6: well it's it's like hatred I mean it, it really is I don't know if you guys know the story with, with Darren Hagan right and uh, Hagen committing to Nebraska. Oh yeah, you guys heard about of that? Of course, and, we've heard that every year. <laughs> Max gonna save his life <laughs> because you can't wear red in Compton, right? You can't. But uh, saying you can't
3: even wear red in Compton. Uh, yeah, but and this Dan, was Darian's like, "How's this old white dude know this?"
6: <laughs> <laughs> right, right, right. So that story gets me all the time. But no, I mean, like I said, I got recruited by Nebraska, and, and one of the things you know, you look at their roster back then. They had a freshman team, then they had a JV team, then they had, you know, Nebraska, right? And so, I, I, you know, you look at the roster, I'm like, man, if I sign here, I'm not going to play, not to my senior year or whatever. So uh, what sold me was just enthusiasm about the program here in Colorado uh, and the fact that I could line up and legitimately have a chance to play against OU and Nebraska, and if we beat them, knowing that we were going to go to the Orange Bowl and knowing that we had a chance to play for a national title, That, that that's what I was driven by. So... When I signed here, along with everybody else that Matt mentioned earlier, I mean, you talk about Canavis and Alfred and and Bien- dudes. And, I mean, oh my goodness, right? George Hemingway, he was the number one running back in the nation that year, ahead of Emmitt Smith, and he signed here, uh, and and so it it was just something that that was a goal was set and established. But to answer your question directly, I mean, Mac Mac lit the fuse in spring, so. After arriving to Colorado, when you get to spring ball and it's highly competitive. I mean, you're fighting for roster spots and fighting for starting time, playing time. And it was like the board was revealed, our schedule. And and, and our board, our schedule had every other team in black except Nebraska. They were in red. You guys had red that, right? Right, right, with baby, Barnett, right. So when we okay, when you notice that, Coach Mack had this meticulous thing that he would do. Each week, I mean, as we get through spring ball, you get through the summer. Okay, we're in fall. We're in our schedule. He would go down the schedule and go over every single team, even if we played them. And Okay, this team's kind of falling apart. We destroyed them. Look at what happened next, you know, what happened now. When you think about as you get closer and closer to Nebraska, and it was a red, red-letter game, right? And, and so we're sitting there, and you could just see him just completely changed when, okay, Oklahoma State, yeah, Kansas, you know, Kansas State, he gets to Nebraska, and everything changed.
3: you even saying it, everything's giant Right. Goosebumps. <laughs> no,
6: everything, I mean, Mac just, he transformed. And so, you know, you look around the room, and everybody's excited about Nebraska, but they're weeks away, right? And, and so you get closer and closer. What I'm trying to say in a long-winded answer is that the buildup, the buildup was established week one, like go, okay, Kansas, Kansas state, Iowa, Iowa state, you know, and, and so Oklahoma state or whatever, Nebraska, now you're ready to surge and unleash. Right. And, And so what Mac did that helped us is that when Nebraska week finally arrived, we were ready. It was over. I mean, we, we wanted to play that game so bad you could taste it. So our scout team, you guys probably did this too with the oh, yeah. athletic tape and all oh, that. Yeah. It was like we're practicing <laughs> against <Remember> Nebraska. <laughs> yeah, we're, we're practicing against Nebraska, but, but, but the mental preparation was already done. All we had to do was get our work done physically on the field and practice and make sure we're executing. Uh, and we were confident.
3: The great Mike Pritchard joins us here on episode 45 of McChesney Unchained in the BSN Denver Podcast Network. Big thanks to uh, my quarterback, Poppy Pescevento, coming here and and quarterbacking this bitch today and being my co-host. And we've got about five, ten more minutes. We're not going to linger. We've had a great show. Thanks to all the guests for coming on. (sighs) Say Nebraska offered you, right, Pritch? They didn't go after you, did they? You're not a a running quarterback up in that one play. I'm sure after they saw you take off, they were like, hey, get this Eric Crouch guy the fuck out of here. But look, so Frank Solich, the night before signing day when I was a senior, called me and offered me in my parents' house. So I'm sitting there, and I'm upstairs, and I remember my father, God rest his soul, uh, David McChesney, I can hear it like yesterday, from upstairs, the, Matthew! I'm like, oh, shit, what did I do? And he's like... Frank Solis from Nebraska's on the phone. So I come upstairs and go upstairs and hello. Uh, Matt, this is uh, Frank Solis, University of Nebraska. And I said, Coach, I'm committed to the University of Colorado. Never call my house again. I will see you the day after Thanksgiving. <laughs> oh, and I hung up nice. the phone. Nice. Real nice. Now, that was because of what y'all did. The ten years of us losing on the last goddamn play of the game to these sons of bitches. I feel like that part of it is missing. And that was really the underlying – I've got family in Nebraska. There's I-80 hatred here. What – if you could say anything to Mel Tucker's team this week, you are in front of his team right now knowing that what we were raised on there is gone. They can hear about it. They won last year. They can feel it a little bit, but they don't have year after year after year of wanting to beat the shit out of these people. And if you do, you're probably going to the Big 12 title game. Or the Orange Bowl. That's the way it works. Every time we beat Nebraska, we won the division. Every time we lost to them, we didn't go to a bowl game. Period. So, what would you say to Mel Tucker's team, Mike Pritchard, talking to, to this squad before they go out to play the Bug eaters. Man, you,
6: you have a reason uh, that you came here. You have a reason to play in this game, and, and it's for moments like this. You know, big games, they're, they're seldom. They're, 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 there's very few of them on your schedule. You can look within the Pac-12 12, 12 right now. Okay, SC, uh, Utah, Washington. Good schedule, uh, Washington, no, Right, right. I mean, th- those, those are games that, look, you know, you're trying to get to the Pac-12 championship. I get that. But when you're trying to increase the profile, when you're trying to build this program or be about or be a bar, about something special, uh, it's Nebraska. You got to understand the history, and I'm thinking Mel Tucker and, and certainly others, Hagan. Uh, those guys are getting in front of the players and, and explaining the history. What you would last have to year. think that DH is a huge. Oh part yeah, of this week. Absolutely, I mean, absolutely, He was when
3: we were there. Yeah, he was one of the coaches. Right. he's been there forever, and he was a huge part of it.
6: So you think about how. We won that game last year in Lincoln, which, by so the way, fun. is one of the toughest places to play. Anyway, yep. besides win a football game, we have something that we have a chance to do something here that that has been rarely done before, and that's go back to back and beat in
3: Nebraska. You guys did it, yeah, nine ninety. Yep, we did it. Oh one, oh two, we lost in 03 and then yeah. one again in oh four. Right, right. But the, yeah, we haven't gone back to back since. You know, eighty-nine, ninety, and then oh, one, oh,
6: two. Exactly. So they have a chance to do that, but they also have a chance to um, bring him back legions. I mean, generations of Buff fans. I agree, and, and that that is important. And Mel Tucker needs to know that. I think he does know that because I know enough people will probably talk to him, and, and, and he's, he gets a sense of uh, of what he needs to do to reestablish the CU football program. And you beat Nebraska in Boulder. And you do it in back to back years. I mean, that that just uh, is a humongous leap in the right direction for the program. Amen to that. Bobby Pesavino, same question, brother.
1: You know, I, I think this is one of those games where it doesn't have to, a whole lot doesn't need to be said, right, before these guys take the field. And it's one of those simple games where, you know, if you're not jacked up, you don't have a pulse and you're playing the wrong game and you got the wrong uniform on. Um, but, I, I, you know, I second what Pritch said big time, right? You're getting years and allegiances of CU people that want to see this victory again inside Folsom Field. So, you know, it, it's like we, I said earlier, it's all about what CU's going to do. It's what the Buffs are going to do. And the most important thing, in my opinion, is when we knock their asses down, you step on their damn throats. Don't let those bug eaters back up and send all those Nebraska people back to Lincoln where they don't have shit to do and they're jealous of Boulder, Colorado, like we all know they are. Step on their damn throats.
6: I got a question for both of you guys because, <laughs> yes, I mean, I got to go. live vicariously oh, here. Shit, I have to, to. I have to because, look, you know, in 88, we lose 7-0, right? Tight game. Okay, in 89, we win. I think it was 27-21. Goalpost come down. Uh, we go to Lincoln in 90, and we come from behind and yep. win after losing. You know, we were losing 12-0. The EB you had, like, guys, yeah, yeah, yeah. You guys stomped Nebraska. Yes, we did. You got to tell me what that was like because I never experienced that. It I was. watched it, proud of you guys, but I, I never had a chance to, to ask that question.
3: I remember standing on the field, okay, and we were up 28-7, right? 28-3. And we had just scored again. And we were walking out. We kicked off, and I'm pretty sure that did did Killian's was Killian's hit the first special teams play, or the that that play in the it second our, quarter? Off after our first touchdown. Yeah. So so Aaron Killian had an unbelievable hit on special teams, but I can't can't remember what it was. But it was a tone setter. But then I remember standing there, and Crouch was about to win the Heisman, and they had first round offensive linemen, and the. I watched the Nebraska allure fade right in front of me. I was standing there. It was me and Brayton and Bannon and Marcus Harris on the D-line, and we were standing there, and – Mike Lewis is behind us running his mouth, talking shit, and I'm in up there talking shit, and Eric Crouch walks up to the line of scrimmage and looks at the scoreboard, and it's 28-3, and I remember Bannon, I, I think it was Billy, and Billy looked at him and goes, it's going to be a long fucking day, seven. And, I, and we were just like, that's right, and it was, and we literally watched the Nebraska allure and that, that shine that they had, where everybody was scared of them. It faded immediately, and they, I watched that program die in front of me. And then... I watched Bobby and the offense. I'm not just talking about, like, beating someone. I've never in my life, not, not a nine-on-seven drill against the same guys, okay? I've never in my life seen a defensive unit more in shambles mentally or physically than what they did to them that day. It was the fourth quarter looking at their football team and how dejected they were. And then knowing after we got screwed over and they sent Nebraska to the national title game, which really bothered me, I think that Miami sat back and watched that tape and said, we are going to shit-stomp the fuck out of these people. Because we beat them twice. They had no business being in that game. You could tell that they were beat twice. They were seeing ghosts. Every time Miami had a good run, they just watched Chris or Bobby or Bobby. He had a 30-yard scamper. His wheels over here. So I I think that from my perspective on on the defensive side, remember, we gave up 36 points. We gave up 500 yards. We didn't have a great day defensively. We forced a lot of turnovers, but no defensive player made victory club. And that really pissed us off. It really pissed us off. But you know what? Coach O'Crew was right, and Coach Barnett were right, because it pissed us off so much that we took it out on Texas. And we were really mad at Texas when we went to go play him. That's my perspective at least, Bob.
1: Yeah, I mean thinking back, I mean obviously got to be the proudest moment of my football career, that Nebraska game. Um but you talk about just the perfect storm, right? I mean, Ches mentioned maybe the defense gave up yards and points, but they made they created huge turnovers when we needed them the most in that game. And on the offensive side of the ball, I mean, it's hard to even explain how dialed in we were, right? And 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 our Sean Watson our offensive coordinator was calling the right plays at the right time when they were in the wrong defense and the wrong coverage i mean everything was just clicking and um and and it was just an ass whooping i mean we were really good up front and they i mean they just buried those guys all day long and then it made it made my job so easy because we were running it so well i mean our receivers were running wide open down the field and and you just think about the moment when you know, I remember when we were taking the field and Coach Barnett said, when you take a knee, you find a way to get that ball back into the locker room to me. And and we were in victory formation. We hands. took the <laughs> knee. You know, the the goalpost came down. The fans were on the field. You, you know, it's at one point, I mean, I'm, I'm doing everything I can to hold on to that ball with, you know, however many thousands of people were down on the field. But, I mean, just the most surreal memories. And, and then, you know, I'm fighting to try to get through and – and and I run into my mom on the field, and, and I'm like, you know. And so now I got a ball in one hand, my mo- my arm around my mom, trying to get her Love your mom. off the field, right? Because she just said she's like, the hell with it. I'm coming down. I'm gonna get in the middle of this stuff. Um, you know, I finally got her into the locker room. You know, and delivered that ball to Coach Barnett. You know, I mean, so just. I mean, twenty years later. I mean, it seems like it was yesterday through my eyes, reliving those things. That um,
3: was one hype ass locker room dog. Man, it was. Do you remember when Mike stuck that in on the? Uh, oh on the yeah, yeah. Oh my.
1: It God, was like dude. nothing else, you know, because and it, it was, it was like a the ultimate like I don't even know how else, it Pay was payoff, dude. And it, That's but it was, was like the ultimate explosion, right? Because yeah. I mean, we were so quietly confident. And nobody expected anything I, like that. I mean, I don't think we expected it to happen. We in the way didn't expect it did.
3: to beat them like that. But, look, do you remember this? We were at Snack. And we're almost done here on episode 45. But, honestly, if you're a Buffalo fan, you should be able to listen to us for 10 fucking hours. So, deal with it. When we were in Snack that night, okay, they had college game day on. And I remember Oklahoma and Oklahoma State played a week later. Yeah. Didn't they? Well, they played the next day. Next day on Saturday. Yeah, because we were on Friday. And I remember Herb Street sitting up there and going, well, it's a foregone conclusion. The last thing I remember him saying on Friday night or whatever, Thursday night, whatever night it was, it's a foregone conclusion. The Nebraska is going to meet Oklahoma in the big 12 title game. Yeah. And then the winner of that game is going to go play for the national title. Cause remember Nebraska beat Oklahoma in Lincoln 20 yeah. to 10 earlier that year. And I remember sitting there eating my ice cream and then sitting at the table with the rest of the D line and everyone and every single guy on the table was like, all right, okay, Kirk. All right, more fuel. And it was just that another drop to the point where it was napalm, dog. Yeah. It was, it, yeah. It, we couldn't wait to just unload it. You're talking about postgame. Uh, my, my baby brother, Nick, who's passed now, but uh, he was the first guy that I saw on the field. <laughs> you did it! You want <laughs> Like, knowing how much it meant to me my whole life wanting to go there. And, and just that's what it's supposed to feel like. That's why I push everybody in this room at 6-0 as hard as I do. Every kid, all the guys that are up there at CU now, Austin Johnson, Hunter Vaughn, and Ray Robinson, Van Deest who had a great fucking game last week, and all those kids that are up there striving to get better. That's why we push in here the way we do. It's why I'm so aggressive with making sure that you do things right. It's why I'm on your ass about things because I want you to experience this. I want you to be able to sit in a room when you're an old man and talk ball and be proud of the foundation you fucking laid. And that's what I would say to CU. The past is the past. We can all sit around and relish, but it's over. You are the future, and this is the second brick. You laid a great brick last year, and then you lost seven games in a row. You didn't roll with the momentum that was created by it. You have another opportunity this year to lay another brick and not only stick it in your rival's ass and make them relish the day they came to Folsom, but you wake up the rest of the country because now you've done it twice twice. You can start this train going down the track again with CU building into an every year bowl team, a physical minded football team that's going to bloody your lip if you walk into Folsom fucking around. That's what I would say to the team. This is your opportunity to now be your own Nebraska killing community, essentially. You you're Nebraska killers eighty We're Nebraska killers 010204. Now it's your turn. You were Nebraska killers last year. Do it again. Beat them again. And then bet me in two years that those two next two games are not fucking hype. Hype. All right. This is episode 45. That is a wrap. I am your host, Matt McChesney. As always, thank you to Bobby Pescevino, to Mike Pritchard, to Dan Graham, to Coach Barnett, to Sean Tufts, even even thanks to Sean. And (laughs) it's going to be a great game Saturday. Thank you so much for listening. Uh you know all i can say is be safe saturday try not to fight each other leave that for the field uh, but when it comes down to it the way you beat a nebraska Cornhusker is right between the eyes for 80
5: plays as hard as you can hit them go bus
4: maybe maybe thank you sean